Today we make our last stand. For the galaxy. For Leia. For everyone we've lost. For faking Star Wars Radio. That's right. Hello everyone. Welcome to Faking Star Wars Radio, the official podcast of FakingStarWars.net. We're delighted to have you with us. Here's what we have in store for you this week. It's our long-awaited, totally not retconned at all reaction episode to The Rise of Skywalker, episode 9, which came out this past week. How many times did you have to go pee during it? We have some fake ads themed around The Rise of Skywalker, and we have a new guest co-host for the week, Mr. Vigan the Hutt, who's with us along with T. Brontour. IG-69 is currently wallowing in misery since he doesn't have access to watch the release of Rise of Skywalker yet since he is in Imperial Prison in the Far East. We'd love to hear from you if you have a chance to get onto Stitcher or iTunes or any podcast platform of your choice and give us a review. We'd love to read it on the air. Have you listened to the Mandalorian Mando Roundup that I do with Gemma the Hutt? We have our last episode that's going to be coming out in about a week or so where we'll review Chapter 7 and 8 of the Mando, which should be a lot of fun. Have you signed up for our Patreon? You can go to patreon.com slash fakingstarwars and sign up to be a patron. We'd love to have your support, especially around these lean holiday months when our Russian trolls in the basement are especially hungry. Also head over to our t-shirt store at bit.ly slash fswmerch where we have dozens of great designs. You can get sweatshirts, t-shirts, mugs, and stickers, all kinds of great stuff around the holiday times here. All right, well, I'm very happy to invite into our studios uh, for the first time uh, associated with FakingStarWars.net, but the first time appearing on the podcast, uh, Mr. Vegan the Hut. Uh, vegan, how are you? Did you enjoy your vegan buttered popcorn during the Rise of Skywalker? I sure did. <laughs> well, it's it's wonderful to have you in the studio. How did you find the trip uh, out from where you are to our to our humble abode here in Omaha? Uh you know, a couple of roadblocks uh, were in my way, but the travels weren't too bad. Very good. Lovely to have, lovely to have you with us. So, thank you for having me. Uh, and Teeb, you're, you know, after the the Twilight Zone nine part analogy, uh, I thought you might try to abandon ship like the uh, the uh, coward that you are, but you're still faithfully with us. I'm shocked and surprised, but may I also say delighted that you're here with us today. Well, for the record, I am not a coward. Uh, that would have to be IG because he is not here today, and I am here today. Uh, maybe he's off like assassinating some uh, poor babies or something. I don't know what he does in his spare time, but obviously, it's more important than being here with us today in the studio. So, you know, sorry, IG. He's cavorting around the desert trying to ca- kidnap a child so he can murder her with a with a very uh, terrifying looking dagger. Ah. Well, yeah. that dagger looks really cool, though. It looks like uh, like a little spirograph. You know, yeah. remember spirographs? Yeah, it's like a That's little spirograph. Right. Like you spin it, and you can make little neat designs in the in the dirt in the it sand. Is, yeah, it has that has the holes and stuff. Absolutely. Well, this is an interesting uh, episode. You know, we're back to our normal format after the Twilight Zone uh, is has finished. Um, I, for one, am relieved that the time travel uh, is is done because it was starting to affect my nether regions. Um, I'll let Mrs. Duper explain that one to you if you're in need of greater details. But, uh, you know, it is interesting because we were able to travel in the future to see the Rise of Skywalker a full week before its release. But now we have seen the latest version of the movie that has released, which is actually different from the version that we saw. T, explain to us what's going on here. Well, apparently there's a new trend where the director has determined that their movie is terrible 
And if they just tweak it a little bit with some little CGI, I've heard that there's a, a movie out right now called Dogs that they actually went back and they changed it with a little bit of CGI and they re-released it as Cats. So I think that what happened is when we went into the future, we saw everything and somehow Disney found out that you know, they, they heard that we were spoiling it. So they had to go back and they had to reshoot the ending with some CGI tweaking and and they basically took everything that we did and they crapped all over it and they had to reshoot the movie and that's what you ended up seeing Thursday. For me, Thursday. I think it was for you Thursday as well. So, so for our adoring fans, that's why you might notice some disparity between this current review and the one from the Twilight Zone. So Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Now, uh, now, Vegan, when did you see uh, the release of Rise of Skywalker? I saw the release Friday night with my wife. Oh, very good. Was it a good crowd? Can you describe the environment? It was not as as crowded as I thought it might be. Um, we thought maybe we would have to wait um, in line inside, but no, it was fine. You just waltzed right in. Just waltzed right in. Well, he's a hut. He probably doesn't stand in too many lines. I mean, you know, they're the gangsters of the galaxy. So, I mean, he's being very modest. Uh, you know, he, he's not... He's kind of cutthroat, so I think he's putting on an air a little bit tonight. I think he doesn't want to scare people, but, I mean, he's a hut. So, yeah, he doesn't wait in freaking lines. All right? Did you well, wait. Go- I didn't realize what you were asking. Um, I mean, the whole movie theater was rented out for me, obviously, but okay. I just didn't – I didn't have to deal with, you know, people in my way or anything. Did you bring Did you bring the Rancor monster with you into the theater? Did they allow you to do that? No, the Rancor monster was just a little too much. Um, we kept it, you know, outside just in case, you know, we had some stray people trying to get some empty seats. But well, I hope they didn't. I hope that you didn't leave him trapped and locked in your traveling skiff barge, much like the Mandalorian locked Baby Yoda in the Razor Crest in chapter, I believe it was chapter five of the Mandalorian. That's a horrible thing to do to any house pet. You know, um, as vegans, we love animals and we care about every living thing. We take care of our our, our pets. Very so. good, very good. Palpatine press on nails. In leading salons, the Nabooian manicure is the most requested fashion choice by clones of means. Who else but Palpatine could make the Nabooian manicure beautiful and easy to apply and so affordable? Introducing Palpatine press on nails, the Nabooian manicure. They're as easy to put on and take off as last names, and they come with four extra nails, 24 in all for a perfect fit. Inherit in pink, Tatooine tan, and Mustafar red. These nails are guaranteed to stay on, even if your fingers slowly disintegrate and regenerate. Not available in Naboo, Coruscant, or Alderaan. Well, it's uh, it's such an exciting time, you know. I can say very personally that uh, watching this movie in the theater uh, five times in 24 hours was exhausting, but also gratifying because it means that I'll never have to do so ever again. Um, and before I give my general uh, duper impressions, I wanted to turn it over to uh, to Teeb. You know, uh, Teeb, you told me that you were one of the first people in the theater, and uh, I just like to hear what your kind of first impression of the film was. It's funny because I kept putting my hands in front of my in front of my chest, like in disbelief, like what, like what's ha- what, 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 and and to me, that's a that's an exciting film, right? So it was like an exciting, unpredictable film, even though. <clears throat> It was very predictable in the sense that I knew who was going to rise. I just didn't realize the name so much. And I think a lot of people are hung up on the name. But 
I, are we going to just go right into spoilers? Are, are spoilers allowed? Oh, gosh, absolutely. If you have not seen the movie 16 times yet, you have absolutely no business being uh, butthurt by spoilers at this point. No, no, no. I wasn't even okay, going to okay, okay, um, okay. give any warnings because I think it's very cool to post spoilers with absolutely no warning whatsoever uh, to ruin other people's joy. That's just how I like to be. I think that's, yeah, okay, then that's the, the my first general impression is the fact that I was amazed that nobody spoiled the movie for me because I got a text at 1 o'clock in the morning from a certain Mr. Duper on Tuesday basically saying that he had seen a spoiler and so my entire life up until the time I saw the movie was now dedicated to not having the movie spoiled. So I was completely unbearable to be around so there was like this relief so my first general impression was just relief and also relief that like the saga is over like that's it no matter what happens this is it it's out in the universe now people can whine about it and complain about it and talk about it for the end of time but at least i have seen it i survived long enough to see this monology that has been with me my entire life so it sounds like for you it felt much akin to passing a kidney stone sounds interesting (laughs) Um, Vegan the Hut, how about you? What was your first reaction or impression from the movie? I was kind of there on the same lines. I, I was shocked in some parts, and uh, there was a lot of things that I was I, I felt like surprised about, and and just kind of like, okay, well, I guess we're going that way uh, with the film. But uh, I, I really liked it, though, better than uh, I think other people might have liked it. But you know. As we know, it, it it was as good as the you know as it was until the next update, until they released the next update. You know, sure, sure. Well, I have to say, you know, I was a little uneasy at the very beginning. Um, I had seen one screenshot that that made me a little concerned. I I tried to stay away from spoilers as hard as I could. I adopted the abstinence rule of social media here for the week up to the release of Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but from the very beginning, when the crawl uh, scrolled, I was very concerned because I thought we had a movie that was going to be operating from a deadest perspective. Um, you know, we've heard of racism, you've heard of ageism and obesity, you know, and all that. But I thought this movie was going to stereotype the dead in a way that I wasn't comfortable with, with those three words, the dead speak. Um, because, you know, I have met several dead people and not all dead people speak. I did not like the fact that right from the get go, we're putting them all in one category. And, you know, there's been a lot of contention about these movies offending various groups of people or not offending the right groups of people. Um, and so from from the word go, I was concerned. However, the film assuaged some of my doubts. And I would say that actually I was riveted throughout the film. I experienced some of the greatest delights. I've ever had watching a Star Wars movie um, and I I visibly wept at least three or four times uh, during the first few viewings of the film. So that's Duper being completely sincere absolutely no fakery whatsoever you can ask Mrs. Duper because I was sobbing into her lap um, however, you know, after seeing it a few more times, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Vegan, could you tell us a little bit about some of the story and character points that you really dialed in on that were kind of important for you in The Rise of Skywalker? I, I think that um, the whole Ray training part was really good. Um, I really liked seeing Ray actually training. And, um, you know, there was a couple parts uh, later uh, when she's training that, uh, you know, she actually starts to to you know get hit and uh, I, I really liked seeing that you know ray 
Ray needs to get hit around a couple times uh, just to prove that she's not uh, she's not invincible. That she can make mistakes and that she's not perfect with the lightsaber. Yes, yes, uh, I really like that. I, I thought they were going to develop the uh, the Poe and uh, Finn. Um, uh, you know, romance a little bit more, but uh, maybe that'll come on on the the next update. Uh, I don't know. We'll mm. see. <laughs> the special edition of Rise of Skywalker will have a little bit more sauce in it. Then, yes, uh, I I was definitely rising in some parts um, <laughs> while watching <laughs> while right. watching the film. What about you, team? Right. What what did you think about the story, or you know, some of the character arcs? What was most meaningful for you? It's kind of weird, but I I think uh, what was her name? Uh, Felicity. I, I don't know her name because I never got to see her. No, not oh, her. Uh, Zori Bliss. Zori Bliss. Thank you. Yeah, Zori Bliss. Uh, I, I was kind of fascinated by her character. I think there's this fascination with all Star Wars for me. If you don't see the person's face, they're more interesting. Want to come with me? Uh, I'm just this helpless, sexy-ass spice runner with no man to do anything with. Want to come with me? <laughs> How could you not be fascinated, team? All right. Calm, calm down, because you're getting me a little. You're getting me hot and bothered over here. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I really like the uh, the Zori Bliss storyline. I was I was interested in that character, and I I liked that little side story where they showed how the stormtroopers in the First Order were recruiting the you know children, basically taking them from the from the parents. And I liked that they developed the fact that Jana and her troop basically were a bunch of stormtroopers that said no. And so it doesn't make Finn quite as special, even though obviously he's a force sensitive now. That's canon now, obviously. Um, but it, it, it just was interesting to me to see that developed. And I would like to see it developed more. But I, this is a good question, though. Are we going to get any more Skywalker movies? Is Because now that she's taken the name Skywalker, is there are, are there going to be more Rey movies? What are you thinking? Would you would you uh, sign up for ten more Ray Skywalker sequel 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 trilogies? I don't know, uh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Ten? No. Uh, I'd like to see the character more, though. I really would. I'd like to see her in expanded universe stuff. Maybe some novels, some legend things. And I mean, she's an interesting enough character to me that you can do a lot of interesting stuff with her. As and Zori Bliss, definitely. I want to see a comic book at the very least of Zori Bliss, like a twenty-five series comic book or graphic novel series uh of zori bliss because i'm 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 intrigued by that character i think in in 20 years it, it won't matter anyway they'll just retcon everything again and try again <laughs> oh, uh, it'll be in three dimensions now in holographic form on a different format but it'll be the same uh same story tie-ins i agree uh you know with uh Teeb about the um the information, the backstory to the way the First Order uh, took p children from from their parents, that that was a theme that was developed uh, not only on the um, the uh, kind of uh, snow planet of Kijimi, uh, but all they said there's no children anymore, and she couldn't stand to listen to their screams. What a what a dark theme! I can just see parents uh, having to comfort their children after watching that movie. I mean, if I were a parent and my child had to watch that, I would uh, be writing into Lucasfilm thanking them for terrifying my children and letting them know the world is a scary place um, and then 
also later with when he meets Janna on the island, the um, the water planet of Kefbir, the same type of theme developed. So I thought that was well done. Good structural choices that really impacted both of those characters because otherwise Finn and Poe kind of just become two sides of one coin who argue about uh, which one of them is going to be able to make out with Rey. Uh, so I thought it was a nice development. Um, but I think we're avoiding something here that, that is very major to the movie that I want to bring out uh, before we get too far into it, which is just two words. Sheev humps? <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, Sheev humps. Look, Sheev, Sheev, was, Sheev was a senator of, uh, of Naboo before... Okay, when Queen Amidala was the queen, he was a senator, right? Yes. Right? So he's a nobleman. So he has a family, probably, because you don't get elected in politics if you're some kind of social outcast weirdo who can't land some tail you know what i mean come on so yeah he humps get over it you know he probably poops too i want a shirt that says sheaf poops <laughs> sure why not <laughs> <laughs> available on our t-shirts sir uh, this christmas exclusive what that's a fake star wars exclusive thing he's like hanging off a little dangling rod thing and he's just dropping a deuce <laughs> oh. Gosh. Sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, um, they basically got him like on that uh, on Exegol. By the way, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but the first thing that entered my mind when I heard that planet was that was testicle. I'm like, he's on that time capsule testicle Sith planet, and he's basically they basically got him hooked into like a movable porta potty anyway. So like, you know, anywhere he goes, he can poop. So he's been he's been pooping on Exegol for for 30, 40 years, waiting for somebody to come and uh, and clean his dirty diapers, basically. What if Snoke is actually just uh, you know poop clones? Well, that brings me to Snoke. I mean, because the, I think JJ, you know, bless JJ Abrams for just getting out of the gates fast here, very beginning of the movie. At last, Snoke trained you well, and then like literally one line. All the complaints about people in The Last Jedi, about Snoke's backstory, blah, blah, blah. Where, where, where? I made Snoke. Done. Like, yep. I had absolutely <laughs> no problems at all with The Last Jedi after that. Like, and if you yep. did, like, please write in because we're going to ridicule you. Like, that was so good. What did you think, Vegan? Did you get chills during that moment? I, I didn't really know what to think about when I heard that, actually. I, I was kind of like, okay. And then, you know, when they kind of pan crossed, you know, those uh, empty or those uh, little liquid. I don't know what they would call them, like containers. I, I like to call them like Snoke, a, Snoke pickle jars. Snoke pickle jars, yeah. Snoke's like, oh, kosher dills. The, the failed attempts, or are these just the extras, or you know, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't quite get that. Uh, but it, you know, I, I guess it kind of made sense uh, in the sense of like, oh, I created Snoke, or I, I you know, everything that you that's uh, been coming to you has been coming from me. So I thought that was, you know, creative way to, to get out of the, the crap from the last film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, like when he says, I'm every voice in your head, including including Vader, you know, that was interesting too because remember I've said in other podcasts that like, well, Vader's like a, like why is he, why is he like in love with Vader or whatever? Because if, if Vader is a force ghost, why isn't he coming to his grandson and being like, Stop being a little bitch, you know? Like, right. like stop trying to like be like this. But then it makes sense. Maybe, maybe um, Sheev was blocking, you know, like like force blocking Vader from being able to get to to Kylo because he was in his head, and maybe one of the voices that he actually heard in his head was Vader, which was actually Sheev, because you never actually hear Vader in his head until this movie when he actually is in his head and you hear it. 
So I thought that was interesting. I thought it was a great way to start the movie. I mean, even though I wasn't a fan of that kind of slow motion stuff on the planet Mustafar where uh, Kylo is like uh, slicing up people like shish kebabs, um, I, I like it when Star Wars movies actually start in space with something of consequence. Uh, you know, like in that case, there really was nothing that happened. It was just like, oh, go from the crawl. Let's zoom in on a planet. Eh, not the greatest beginning to the movie. But once once Kylo finds that little um, force doodad uh, wayfinder, um, whatever you're, what you call it, Shingo Bob, uh, then then the movie really got going in earnest, and I, I just so thrilled with Ian McDermott's performance. He absolutely stole the show for me. Um, beyond that, like the major other major story arc, I think that we have to talk about is of course you know how Raylo develops with her being a Palpatine. Now we did mm-hmm. predict in our in our other episode that somehow Snoke's spirit would invade Rey and that was actually central to the plot. Um tease that apart a little bit because it was a little bit confusing. What what exactly was uh do you think Palpatine's goal was there of vegan? I I was a little confused at first like what is he trying to do with Rey with Kylo with that kind of football stadium full of Sith or whoever they are? Like what what is happening? I think he's trying to get in her head and and say like you know you you belong on the dark side and and you know when she goes in that whole kind of mirror kind of reality where she sees herself as the dark side you know I think that she's not really sure that she wants that um, but I think you know with all the the crowd behind her kind of just saying like you have all this support you have all this power behind you literally he's trying to get in her head just to kind of convince her push her to that point because she's there's some there's some things that's where she's almost there you know did you feel like uh when when she was sort of uh being told join me or i'm gonna destroy your friends your new family uh i mean did you feel like that's sort of like what disney is telling us like like this movie or else you're a horrible person you you have no credibility online like a little bit of subtext there do you think from jj and kathleen kennedy like like it or else i think it was a little on the nose there yeah there wasn't uh any guessing there you really had to avoid that to to miss it what about you t but what did you think about the whole Raylo development as a palpatine and falling in love and all that nonsense well i was really happy the way everything turned out and and i think it's funny because a lot of people that love the last jedi hated this movie and vice versa and i think i know why because i was kind of disgusted if if a Raylo moment happened i was i wasn't gonna be one of these idiots that screamed at the at the screen or anything like that because i, I did I, well oh well, we'll get into that <laughs> did you scream in, in anger or enjoy vegan oh i just like screaming no, okay no, just randomly <laughs> just in general <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what did you scream though like did you scream like those are not my beans what what did you scream oh just uh Hatties va- uh, profanities. Uh, okay, just in general, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I just you know, Slimo. sudden sudden outburst. Poodoo, Slimo, McClunky, all those, right? All the good ones. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but uh, but to me, I was happy that he was redeemed, but he died because if if Ben is redeemed and he manages to live, 
He's going to go to space prison for the rest of his life. His life is going to be like uh, Negan on The Walking Dead, right? He's basically going to be in a box, and every once in a while, some random kid is going to come by and be throwing little stones at him or whatever because he ain't going to be running around uh, a free man because they blew up planets, just like with Vader. Vader was redeemed. He killed all those younglings. But he was redeemed, but he died instantly. They had to they had to Boromir him, you know, like Boromir from the Lord of the Rings, who was like evil trying to steal the ring and but then like at the very last minute he like saves the hobbits, right? Like and gives up his life uh when the yeah. um the ring wraiths sure. come. Yeah, that was the that was the only logical uh, way for him, I think, to pass on into the netherworld. Uh, that's why I think, in a lot of ways, this is the best possible movie they could have made because it it developed mm-hmm. all those characters. It gave them all a place to go in the plot without it being like too weird and convoluted. And and there was a Shakespearean aspect to that death scene, which I thought was really romantic. Um, and I had to change my pants afterwards. I thought for sure, you know, when Ray heals him back to life. When Kylo Force heals her back to life and then he dies, I thought they were going to do that for the next like 20, 30 minutes of the movie. I thought that was going to be the end. Mm. They were just going to go back and forth, healing each other until they die. Back and forth, back and forth. It's a very romantic thing. I mean, I'm going to have to bleep this out, but it's kind of like J.J. Abrams invented Force. Ah! Game, you know? Um, <laughs> that's so what I was that's... thinking too. Like, yeah. uh, when. when... When he's run through with the saber and then Leia comes and like gives him enough energy and then and then Ray heals him when they're having that battle. Um I it it was it was very much like that's exactly what they were doing. They looked like they were going at it. And, it's like a uh, callback too to the um to the yes. uh to the uh, holiday special, you know, it's like that chef, you know, it's like whip and stir, whip and stir, <laughs> force heal and suck, force heal and suck, force heal and suck, you know, and, and Leia was involved too, because I firmly believe, and we can talk about Han in a minute, T, but I, I firmly believe that Leia died, but was sort of in this force purgatory, helping Kylo, yes. like Ben, have the strength to be able to save Rey later. That's why she disappeared at the same moment. So at the same time that Ben is helping Rey, uh, Leia is being there projecting Han's consciousness into Kylo's mind to save him and bring him back to the good side and that kills her but then we also have this sort of incestuous menage a trois at the same moment going on all kinds of interesting uh, horrible uh, sexual uh, illusions going on here all in one scene um, and then of course there's the geriatric angle as well with Sheev Palpatine uh, doing the same so I'm surprised that uh, this has not yet been made into a porn parody yet it will be <laughs> So 100%. <laughs> so Teeb, I do want to hear your thoughts on on uh, the other aspect of this that was very Shakespearean uh, getting into the encounter that Ben Solo uh, Kylo Ren has with his father. What did you think? Well, yeah, I mean in in Shakespeare that's uh, one of the tropes really is that um the the ghost the the ghost of the father comes to the character in a, in a moment of doubt in a moment of of incredible need. And provides that kind of uh, understanding. And when he sees Han, immediately I'm thinking there's no way Han is alive. He got run through and he gets dropped down a shaft and he's in his 60s. He doesn't have the force. He's not 
gonna miracle himself out of that he's dead right and then he even says i'm just a memory so i was like thank god because if they had had if they'd had him not actually be dead as much as i love han solo i probably would have been pissed because i'd have been like okay now it's getting like arrow like nobody ever dies in arrow they just kind of they they die and then they find another way to like come back and it's just convoluted garbage and and when people die in real life they die that's it right you can't so you can have you can have conversations with them or whatever but it's you know they're not coming back sad you know the dead speak maybe that was in reference to han solo if you think about it maybe it wasn't actually in reference to sheev it was in reference to han solo i thought it was in reference to anthony daniels because he still was able to articulate words in this film you know he's been in only he's the only one who's been in every single star wars film and i think they actually had to resurrect him in a hospital to get him out on set to be able to say his lines of dialogue Speaking of lines of dialogue, I had a very hard time hearing him. Now, I, I have bad hearing, so okay. it's possible, but my, my wife kept laughing. Every time he, sp- he spoke, she would laugh, and she said his lines were hilarious. So you've seen it five times. Are his lines actually really hilarious? Uh, I think that C-3PO was given a lot to do in this movie, and that, that was really cool for me because I think that he wasn't in the previous two uh, saga yeah. uh, sequel films. Um, C-3PO, in my mind, is a skeleton of the narrative of Star Wars. I mean, he is the he's sort of the Grecian chorus behind everything that happens uh, from mm-hmm. the very beginning. And so without that presence, I think that the prequels suffered uh, considerably. He got sort of side, side-roaded to just this kind of comic relief Gungan uh, character um, in mm-hmm. those films. And then in the other two films, uh, there isn't really that presence. There is no kind of narrative skeleton, except in this movie you had C-3PO there. And I, I really think think that improved the film it's not something i've heard a lot of people talk about probably because they're not as intelligent as we are i was about to say do you think our our fans are going to understand the reference to grecian chorus i mean you're giving them a lot of credit dude (laughs) yeah you're probably right so um Well, let's talk about how this movie fits, you know, in terms of the story, the developments that that J.J. Abrams added to maybe appease some fans. A lot of people have joked. I saw a meme that said, like, you know, this movie was directed by Reddit or whatever. Um, I didn't feel Mm -hmm. that way personally. I thought it actually makes The Last Jedi a more interesting film, not less. Uh, But then again, I could be considered a fanboy. Um Think about how this film relates to Last Jedi Vegan. I mean, you you said you didn't care too much for Last Jedi. How did this film recontextualize Last Jedi for you? I I guess it made, you know, sense of things, but it didn't really make me uh, change my mind so much about The Last Jedi. Things made more sense, but I still didn't care for it. You know, um, a a lot of things that I have problems with with The Last Jedi is the amount of... uh, vegan propaganda that's in it and uh Ah. that that was that was one thing that i that i really disliked you know vegan veganism is an elite thing and you can't just uh share it with everybody Mm -hmm. um and the fact that they uh they shared it so uh easily and uh freely you know from milking the uh whatever that thing was on on the shore where uh, uh luke luke got that uh blue milk or whatever from you know that that's in reference to uh, uh, to to some vegan topics, but um, you know having him on you know turn into this old cranky guy on, on the island that didn't really you know change much from the last movie. You know what did he say? Like oh I was wrong. Okay, <laughs> you know it didn't really. Yeah, yeah. He said I was wrong. It was fear. You know he was acting out of fear. Yeah. Well, I mean that that's 
that's fine. You know, you can react out of fear, but you know, what do we know about the dark side? Well, it's led by fear and, and hate. And, you know, it, it kind of didn't really make sense to me and in, in the sense of, uh, Oh, you know, I was fearful, but yet I was able to be a strong Jedi in in the last minutes of the movie. I didn't really, didn't really sell it to me. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. What did you think, Teep? For me, it was like justice for every time something like happened, I'd be like justice for this and justice for that. Like you said, it was uh, directed by Reddit. I I do agree with that on a lot of a lot of levels. Like like Chewbacca getting his medal, that was like literally J.J. <laughs> Abrams was listening to some of our podcasts <laughs> yeah. and other people's uh, complaints <laughs> and was like, yeah, let's let Chewbacca get a freaking medal. And they gave it to him, and it's kind of like uh, you know anticlimactic a little bit, but I still cheered. Um, so there was there were moments like that, like when Rose Tico was basically friend zoned. I looked right at my wife right when she gives him that hug, when she gives Finn that hug, and I go friend zoned <laughs> because <laughs> Jana comes along, a, a strong black woman. She comes along, and also an ex stormtrooper, by the way, who might even be a Calrissian. And uh, now Rose Tico's not looking so good. Also, Rose Tico's always been in love with Finn. Finn has never been in love with Rose Tico. Just throwing that out there. But yeah, there's a lot of moments. And, and we watched The Last Jedi before this, so we could have an understanding of where they were going to compare and contrast and everything. And definitely, you can tell that J.J. Abrams went through a, a little checklist and said, nope, I didn't like that. I'm changing that. I didn't like that. I'm changing that. I didn't like that. And, and you can tell he, he definitely did not care for The Last Jedi. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, the movie does feel like a sequel to The Force Awakens. But then yes. if you look at it like that, then that stuff doesn't make any sense. Because why would Luke say uh, Jedi's weapon uh, deserves more respect. Clearly, he's reacting to the way he treated the lightsaber when Rey came. So I do think there's some continuity with Last Jedi that he did put in there. Also, you may not have noticed, there's a lot of lines of dialogue and other shots that are almost taken like shot for shot from uh, The Last Jedi that he included as well. Plus, the whole force bond that Rey and Kylo have, it, it really is the driving force behind how they communicate with each other and even it has some plot significance where Rey is able to pass a lightsaber through the force to Kylo. So I think... You know, The Last Jedi is a critical film uh, as a development for this for this film. It wasn't completely forgotten. I don't think J.J. just crossed his list off of Reddit. I, I think it was done with more care, and it wasn't that cynical. I, I think that both of you guys have uh, probably been drinking a little bit too much Kool-Aid, listening to other people speak on Twitter, listening to what other people have to say, when you should be spending time only listening to what I have to say and agreeing with me. Oh, that sounds uh, pretty much like uh, everybody else on Twitter, actually. I can't think of anybody who just shouts loud 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 i'm right i'm right i'm right on twitter about star wars no names come to mind i mean that sounds very much uh like vegans so i mean and of course vegans are right yeah so you have the uh in you know the indelible traits of being an annoying vegan and an annoying star wars fan of vegan the hut how do you possibly maintain any friendships outside of your uh twitter connections at all oh i pay them usually <laughs> that's the only reason i know teep as i i keep them on a salary you 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 find people and you take them to a to a droid uh, a droid uh, repairman on Kijimi Babu Freak and have him have him like uh, mess with their brains so that they they don't remember who you are. Shh, you're not supposed Vegan to say that. Vegan the Hut is my oldest friend, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about Babu Freak. I, I thought Bobby. he was adorable. Did you guys know that Babu Freak, do you know who did the voice of Babu Freak? It was John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> John Lennon, I Babu Freak. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just the first name that pops in my head. What the hell? <laughs> Can you imagine? No, no, I don't. <clears throat> It's actually the voice know. of the Scottish actress Shirley Henderson. Who is that? Why would I? I hear? Oh, of course, Shirley. Yes. Yeah, so she is the she is the one who plays Gail in Train Spotting, if you've seen that one, and is also Moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter. And I know we've talked about Mo- Moaning Myrtle for one reason or another on this podcast before, Teeb, but uh, that's who it is. So she's Babu Freak. Well, I was excited to hear that J.J. Abrams is in the movie, though. So as a voiceover as well, he uh, voiced the uh, droid Dio. Yeah, and those are going to be some of the greatest memes of all time, by the way, because the oh. minute that he did the, no thank you, no thank you. <laughs> my <laughs> wife does that all the time when somebody's trying to, like... Yes. <laughs> Do something, you know, like when you're at the store and somebody's trying to give you like a free sample or somebody comes up to you and wants to give you a hug and they're like a special person. I like you. And then you're like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I have a squeaky wheel. I have a squeaky, squeaky wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Those are going to be some of the greatest memes of ever. And I was not on board with Dio. I'm still not like 100%, but I really am looking forward to those memes. The no thank you memes are going to be. What do you think, vegan? fire for me i i thought why aren't they not asking that little droid how you know more for more information about you know getting to that planet like <laughs> yes isn't it yeah. obvious it, you know yeah right. dio it seemed to me almost like dio was raised toy as a kid on that ship right uh, um, i wouldn't go that far but i mean he did kind of bond with her immediately and imprinted on her like a little duckling yeah i don't know i'm just saying it, it to me also, when she's on the end, at the end of the movie, when she's sliding down the dirt in the in the hovel, it almost seemed like she was familiar with that too. So I was thinking, wait, or that's why I was like, wait, are we supposed to think that she was raised as a Skywalker over here with like the the Owens or whatever, the Larses or whatever the hell they are? I I was kind of confused by that, but but yeah, I do think that Dio plays more should have played a more pivotal part in the movie. I thought that was just a visual callback to her life on Jakku, Teeb, to sort of show some continuity between her upbringing and where she ended up. Yeah, but why would you do that as an adult? Like, why? Like, oh, let me, let me, I don't know. It just seemed a little weird to me. Uh, to me, it was like she was connecting with her childhood in that scene. Playfulness, then, playfulness. Yeah, that's what I want in my Jedi. Well, let's go, let's get a little deeper here because I have seen it five times. And the first three times mm-hmm. I saw it, I sobbed each time. Uh, especially like when Chewie's crying, like that just broke my heart. I can't stand to yeah. see animals in pain. I'm not vegan. I love to eat them, but my God, when they're crying, oh, my heart is so soft. But um, the, after I saw it uh, three times, the fourth and fifth viewing, I started to get a little confused about some of the plot. So getting into Dio, the name of the alien that, that was sort of carting him around in that ship, what was his name? It was like Ak- Ach- Anus? O- Anus Wanga? Ochi, right? Ochi. Anus Ochi? Anus Ochi? Anus Ochi? Uh, Unus Ochi? Aki? Maki? Yeah, it is Ochi. Ochi. Yeah, Is what about him? Matt Smith played? Ah. I don't know if he did play him or not. I hadn't heard that. Is he in the movie? Matt Smith? Well, that, that's the thing. Is some people say that he was going to be uh, actually the main the main antagonist 
um, who got completely cut. Thrawn, right? Mm, yeah, I heard different things. But in any case, Ochi is this guy who's going around as the Jedi killer. Um, so Ochi had already kidnapped basically Palpatine's son and, 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 uh, and uh, daughter-in-law, kills okay. them. Now, he can't find the baby, uh, the baby Ray. So what is he doing on Pasana? Like, he already has the Sith knife. Presumably, he already knows how to get to planet uh, tex- testicle ex- exegol uh, time capsule planet. Like, how? what is he doing there when uh, he dies on Pasana? Because he's eaten by a snake. What, what, is, what do you mean, what is he doing there? But, but he's, what probably is, grabbing, what is he he's probably grabbing the dagger. Like where, I think what is he trying to figure out? Or I think you're assuming that he had possession of the dagger. Did he actually have possession of the dagger? Or was he in the pursuit of, of the dagger, and then he got eaten by the snake? Well, they found him right there, right next to the dagger. I'm assuming that, okay, maybe he didn't have the dagger, but he was looking for the dagger? Yes, that's what I assumed, is that he was looking for the dagger, and he got there and got killed by the snake. Okay, so, so that makes it even worse for me that I don't understand. <laughs> if he Why? didn't have the dagger, how how did he communicate with Palpatine? Uh, he couldn't get to Exegol then, right, because he didn't have the Wayfinder. Who hired him? Who hired him? Palpatine. Exactly. So he had a way to communicate with Palpatine. Okay, okay. Does so that, this is a false flag. You're saying there's no problem. There's no confusion here. I it's just because I watched it too many times. I have nothing to do, and I should get on with my life. No, I think that if he was hired by Palpatine, there's the there's logical conclusion that he is able to communicate with Palpatine on some level. Fair enough. I'll accept that. I Great. can tell well, it was um, really bothering you, so I hope I have like assuaged your your your. Do you have any other plot conundrums or story arcs that you didn't get into or you didn't understand, uh, or anything else you want to talk about with story vegan? I think um, one of the things that I really did not really like was um, Hux. You know, when he's oh. like, "I'm the spy." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just. It, it was just a weird thing to put in there. I thought uh, I didn't, you know, and then he's like, oh, shoot me in the arm. So they know that, you know, that I, I was, uh, you know, I didn't ac- actually help you. That he's like, not a scab. Eh. Yeah. I don't know. It just, that, that particular thing was kind of like, I just didn't get, I didn't like it. I mean, it made sense to the story, you know. Um, that they had somebody helping from the inside, but I thought it would be somebody less significant than than him. And the fact that it's kind of like it kind of brought me to the whole. Um, if you think about Snape, Voldemort, like uh, you know, Snape was kind of double crossing and and lying to Voldemort. You know, uh, Hux doesn't really seem like a kind of person that that he can keep uh, Kylo Ren out and Kylo Ren. You know, couldn't sense that. Hmm. I just, I didn't buy it. But remember again, you know, uh, in the end of The Last Jedi, in that climactic scene when uh, after the lightsaber is broken by by Rey and Kylo, uh, General Hux enters Snoke's throne room and he actually starts to take out his gun and he's planning to shoot Kylo. So I didn't feel like this was something that was just thrown in there. It, it had legs to me that connected it to the previous movie and even at The Force Awakens where there's still that little bit of kind of boyish 
uh, you know, I'm better than you kind of uh, action between the two of them. So I, for me, for me, it felt okay. It was a little abrupt. I'll agree with you there. Um, but he is redheaded and he is from Ireland. So, I mean, can we really be too uh, surprised to see him uh, trading in on all his friends? Very nice. true. Yeah. No, for me, I, I like the fact that he said, yeah, I'm not with you. I'm just against him. Like he even clarified, like, yeah, I just want to let you know, I think you guys are jerks or whatever, but I just hate right. him. So anything that makes him have a bad day, that's why I'm doing this. Like it, it made sense to me, and I like that he got shot immediately by uh, by by pride. Yeah, pride. General Hux has become the Star Wars equivalent of the loud uh, the loud angry fans on Twitter who don't care what anyone else like. They just want to make sure that you know that they think it's crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like a representation of like the whiny little turds that want to exactly just crap on everything that you love. Alright, well I thought the story held together. You know, it seems like fans in general have a very good score on Rotten Tomatoes and uh, I think this movie is going to do pretty well internationally as well. It's very fast paced and, and intriguing. There's a lot of different stuff happening in the story. Uh, the sets are interesting. You know, there's a lot of cool technology though that we haven't looked at, you know. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up uh, just right from the get-go is something I learned watching a different video earlier today in preparation for this podcast the what they did with Kylo's mask. Um, so okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Japanese pottery, but J.J. Um, Abrams said that one of the things that they were going for was uh, sort of an homage to the Japanese uh, Kensakuri style of making or fixing pottery where you take the shards of something and glue them back together, but in a way so that the shards uh, or the breaks themselves become part of the new object they become part of the art so i felt like in this way that's sort of a commentary on the entire film uh kylo's mask coming together but the red becomes part of the mask much like the way that they threw in a bunch of crap to do away with the things people didn't like about the last jedi also became sort of the main point of this film what do you think t kentakuri did you like that mask i actually like that because how i helped assuage you i think you just helped me because it really bothered me like why can't this guy just buy a new helmet i mean he could probably get one from vegan the hut and his syndicate probably for <laughs> yeah. cheap but i mean i'm like this guy's the supreme leader he can't buy a new freaking helmet but now it makes sense because he was doing an allusion to that japanese pottery thing i guess maybe he's a big fan of gilbert and sullivan's uh the mikado i don't know but it's, mm. that would have helped me if i knew that going in and i do like now thinking about it with that context that he's took a shattered thing like the last Jedi and put it together and he put parts of it. Like you said, there was some parts of the last Jedi that, that weaved into the story that had to happen to make rise of Skywalker, uh, you know, uh, a good movie. But I guess that makes more sense. But then why did he just get rid of the helmet? Isn't the Japanese, uh, um, what's it called again? Uh, Kensakuri, I think is the name of it. Kensakuri. Yeah, that one. Um, doesn't it also make make the the structure stronger the way that they do it too? Oh, that's I a good point. That, yeah, I think that the that kind of says a lot about the story. Um, you know, we're putting it back together and we're trying to make it stronger than it was before. So, and Kylo's character it. does come out sort of on a mission uh, that we haven't seen his tenacity to that degree. He's he doesn't seem as troubled at the beginning. He is just like so confident I'm gonna kill you like you're Palpatine I don't care who you are 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's a great metaphor uh, as part of the film and also a nice way to uh, for fans to get to experience Japanese culture in a, in a Star Wars sci-fi film. So good job, JJ. Wait, you mean like uh, ripping off Japanese culture to make Star Wars initially wasn't enough? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what you could be referring to. You mean like the Knights of Ren have they don't look at all like old samurais or anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, supposedly there's a and I, I I'm going to massacre it. So I'm not even going to try to bring it up. But supposedly George Lucas ripped off the entire Star Wars story from a Japanese uh, director. You've never heard this before. You of all people have never heard this. Do tell us, Teeb. We're so intrigued. I don't know. I don't. I, I've tried to block it out of my mind, but now that now that everything is done, I feel like uh, we can talk about it. But yeah. I can't think of the guy's name. It's Kurosawa. Kurosawa. This sounds like right? a lie. No, it's not. It's just like Kimba, Kimba the White Lion, and Simba the Lion King. It's the same kind of thing. It's like Disney just ripping off Japanese people. I mean, we did bomb them twice and you know humiliate them and make them glow in the dark. But, you know, I guess uh, taking Star Wars and stealing it from them is also just uh, just another uh, an extension of that. Well, Teeb, uh, I do actually know what you're referring to, um, but you're actually talking about the movie The Hidden Fortress, um, which in Japanese is Kakushitori no Sanakunen, which literally means the three villains of The Hidden Fortress. Uh, this was directed by Kurosawa. You got that right. And it's definitely renowned for its influence on many filmmakers uh, and not just George Lucas for A New Hope. But I think that I think that it had a lot to do with um, Ryan Johnson's depiction in, in The Last Jedi as well. That name for all our listeners, if you didn't get it the first time, is uh, if you want to watch it in the original Japanese, Kakushitori de no Sanakunen. Or in Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would it be in Hatties? uh vegan it's too long it would take too long to say uh yeah i mean the influences are obvious across uh the films um but for me i didn't i didn't really uh i didn't really get too much of that from this film necessarily well no not not this film obviously but i'm just saying just picking on the uh the stealing from japanese people you know the the whole helmet thing i didn't know about that though that i I actually like that because it makes sense now why he would build that helmet because like I said, he just buy another one. So well, and like Zori Bliss's mask also had a very sort of samurai esque look to it, although it was just a little bit different. Yeah, and then we never get to see her face at all. They they get Felicity in the movie, and then they don't even bother to show her face. So her eyes—it's all you get to see. Hmm. Kind of lame. But yeah, no. that, that helmet definitely looks like. A, yeah, I guess samurai would be pretty pretty close to samurai helmet. So can I tell you guys a little fan theory that I've constructed for myself which if you don't like I'm going to berate you on Twitter for? Absolutely. So um we see Leia on that planet which I haven't found out what planet that is yet, that jungle planet. Um but she's lying in bed just like Brian Wilson did cuddling the metal. Uh I'm assuming it was Han Solo's medallion, you know. Uh and then later, after she dies, Maz Kanata rifles through her uh, through her pockets for lo- loose change. <laughs> you know, um, you know, takes As the metal, takes the medal and gives it to Chewie. Now, I mean, Maz Kanata is clearly force sensitive, so she probably knew that Leia wanted that to ultimately end up with Chewie, which was a satisfying moment. But I think there's a deeper meaning to that. For me, Leia was using that medal to somehow connect her with Han as a way to like conjure the force and like put that memory in Kylo's mind to help him move back to the light. Uh, it wasn't explained, but I really think that was what was going on there. 
Otherwise, I don't understand why the metal even became part of it. That was actually one of my least favorite scenes. And if you're talking about least favorite scenes yet, but my least favorite scene was the fact that the whole the whole concept with Leia, like her influence on Kylo, it could have been established a little bit better. So I knew what was happening. Like she was dead, but she wasn't really dead. But then when she becomes one with the Force, then she's really dead, and she's like meditating. Why did they pull the covers over her face? If you pull the cover over somebody's face, they're dead. So while she was like covered up, she was still able to influence Kylo or Ben or whatever. And I don't know, like maybe like a voice would have been nice. Like, don't mm. do this. Something other than just conjecture where people are like, well, obviously that's what's going on. Well, I don't I, I, I wasn't yeah. aware of that. I mean, you saw it five times. Did you feel it after the... I think part of it, honestly, man, I think, I hate to say it, but I think really they were just, they were using what they could. You know, they were working with the very meager, uh, you know, slops that they had left over from from Carrie Fisher's final performance from Force Awakens. There wasn't a lot to work with, you know, and they just had to be very creative about how they positioned uh, the cadavers on the set. There's tons of audio of Carrie Fisher. She's been in tons of movies. They could have put pieced something together like they did with uh, alec guinness they had him say ray and he was he said the word afraid yeah, from one word it. but what did you want carrie fisher to do like suddenly break into song like from the holiday special like a time to love like i mean that would not work this this <laughs> no, way like they wanted... had to do something a little more subtle than that what do you think vegan i, I think that would have sounded really weird you know it's kind of <laughs> like um Welcome to movie phone, you know, like the, the weird kind of robotic. I think if they spliced too much of that together, it would have been would have been really weird. But I know that they, you know, they have droids that can recreate voices now. I mean, um, we've got leaders in other countries who are, I mean, look at Nancy Pelosi. You know, she's one of them, you know, where the, it's just like an alien controlling it. There's a voice that comes out. Sounds very <laughs> odd, robotic, uh not there's a the cadence is all off i think you know uh, we're too we're, we're not quite there in technology to make it sound good so so are you suggesting are you suggesting that our our uh, national leaders need to take a visit to babu freak because they've been just translating what they've been saying from an old sith knife right <laughs> it makes sense now see now you've actually made sense of nancy pelosi for me so thank you because yeah Dear. it's like that maybe she's actually dead somewhere covered up and she's they're using her voice i don't know that makes more sense than anything else she's ever said so yeah no uh that's uh that's that that's i don't know i just like i said i would have liked to see some kind of dis disembodied voice some kind of influence like a, a, a picture i don't know something other than all of a sudden he just kind of looks up and is sees han like are you saying then that she force projected a han ghost to him yeah, she kind of got in his mind and sort of like, you know, crossed the wires so that his memory of Han became very present to him and like helped him have that conversation, you know, okay. basically held his hand and worked his way through. It's like, you know, like kind of like the Virgin Mary might come to you and and help you through your problems. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. You know, that's kind of what we're dealing with. And you said yourself that uh, Babu Freak was voiced by John Lennon. So again, you see we're getting all these layers here that jj's adding it's all it's all one man it's all coming back to this one thing imagine yeah imagine (laughs) (laughs) 
Imagine all the people hating Disney Star Wars. Aha! It'll be so fun when all we do you know, is we- hate what other people love. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! You know, going back to that uh, to the metal thing, that really pissed me off that they they gave it to that little dog thing. You know, I just <laughs> I they should be giving it to somebody like me mm. who deserves it. You know, <laughs> I you know I'm vegan. I don't know if I if I told you guys that, but I I am right. vegan and I feel like I deserve some <laughs> kind of metal. I I don't, I really don't know why you guys are laughing right now. <laughs> Yes, that would have been amazing if like Claude got the medal instead. You know, like the big penis alien who like somehow fixed the electrical overlord with no hands on the Millennium Falcon. How does a big giant penis slug with no hands fix anything electrical? I can't even rewire my own house, and my my father-in-law is an electrician. I was wondering that too. Like they made Claude more. A, a, a better engineer than Rose Tico, right? It's like she she doesn't even get to be on the Millennium Falcon, by the way, right? It's like <laughs> that's like I mean, how inappropriate is that for Claude to be the electrician on the Falcon? Like you might as well make Baby Yoda like a center in like NBA basketball. Like what the heck? I feel like uh, Claude's character was you know more important than the, uh, the actor uh, Dominic. Monaghan? Moynihan, oh, God, yeah, Moynihan, yeah. yeah. What did he do in the film? He obviously just wanted to be in the any Star Wars movie, and his buddy J.J. Abrams was like, all right, I got you. I got you, bud. I'll put you in. You can have two lines. He, he did exactly the same thing for Rose Tico as he did on for that blonde girl on the, the beach in Lost, like just basically consoled her and like kept her like happy and copacetic for the whole movie. Yep, pretty much. If you think about it, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Though. Dominic Monaghan, he was all like, "I can't believe it. I'm hot." And if you follow his social media, you you thought he would have a much more prominent part in this movie than just a couple of lines. Right? Doesn't he? Is he the one that says the Holdo maneuver? You saw it five times. Does he say the Holdo yes, maneuver? Is he the yes. one that says that line? Yeah, the Holdo maneuver. But then they're like, "That's one in a million. You know, he's like, "We got to do some crazy stuff, guys. We got to go nuts." And like, you know, he's this crazy Irish Hobbit dude. But then people are like, hey, calm, calm down there, young Pippin. Calm down, Pippin. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I volunteer you, guy. That you got, the hold of maneuver. Go do the hold of maneuver. I volunteer you. That's a great idea. Bye. Yeah, right? that's like, what it sounds like you've been taking heroin here, buddy, like on a beach. <laughs> that's another thing. The hold of maneuver is stolen from the Japanese. It's kamikaze. Yeah, I guess like uh, the thing with his character, and I, I have to be honest, I haven't done my research. I don't even know Dominic Moynihan's character, so I'm just going to call him Lost 2.0. Uh, when Lost <laughs> 2.0, what was his name in Lost? Do you remember? No. Uh, it was, oh, crap. What was his name? It, was, it wasn't It was Kyle. It was like. Uh, oh, he's guy number four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, and he was like he, he was had a major, a major role in Lost. Yeah, he was the addict, uh, the addict uh, rock and roll guy from Australia or somewhere. And he was from England, but Charlie. He was yeah. Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie. So there. I'm just gonna call him Charlie. Uh, when Charlie, <laughs> our first Charlie in the Star Wars universe. Uh, when when Charlie, uh, and whenever he spoke, it was sad to me because it kind of was every single line that he had could have gone to Rose Tico. Like, 
I mean, basically, yep. I mean, nothing he said mattered at all. And it was basically like, yeah, Rose Tico would have said something about the technology, about the engineering of the Sith, about all this stuff. Right. Like and so it basically did kind of sideline her character a little bit, I will say. Uh, but at the same time, like Rose Tico was a sidelined character to the begin with. And she was basically pointless. Um, and I never liked her character at all anyway. So I did not care that she was sidelined at all whatsoever. So there you go. <laughs> I liked that. Yeah, I appreciated that they did that because like, again, that's a, a, a checkbox. He checked that off. Yep. 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 Rose Tico is going to be, yeah. I'll, I wonder if she's a pain in the ass to work with on set. I don't know. Um, maybe I don't know. What do you think, Vegan? Did you see the picture of of um uh what's her name uh um plays Kelly Marie Tran? Yeah, Kelly Marie. Did you see the photo that uh, Ryan Johnson posted on Twitter of Kelly Marie Tran? Like he has said nothing about Rise of Skywalker. The only thing he did was post a beautiful yes. photo of her looking radiant. And I mean, I could just read between the lines, man. <laughs> like he is trolling <laughs> JJ hard. Like. Oh, yeah. apparently too. Some of the people that got canned after Last Jedi are bashing the Rise of Skywalker, which is like like disgruntled employees. Basically, like it's like, look, I get it. If you don't like something, you don't like it. But if you're not gonna like it because oh, boohoo, they took the ball away from me. Yeah, you know, like don't don't be that guy. But yeah, no, I did I did hear that he posted, and like that's basically his entire commentary is just like a hot picture of. Kelly Marie Tran, who he claimed that he wanted to have relations with in high school, uh, an archetype like that, an Asian, mm. smart Asian girl, whatever. Who so. didn't want to do that, though, in high school? I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, speaking on that, that topic, uh, is Poe Dameron a recovering or disgruntled incel in this movie? Because <laughs> of the whole Z. Z-, Z- Zori Zori Bliss. I gotta remember that name. Zori Bliss. Zori Bliss. Zori Bliss. Yeah. Um, no, I think he is a brave fighter who is kind of a jerk every once in a while. And, you know, he's like a very cock. If you've ever met any fighter pilots, they're incredibly cocky people. I mean, hello, Top Gun. Hmm. True. Uh, I know a lot of, uh, we have a aeronautical school right next to, uh, my, uh, home planet. Hmm. And, uh, the pilots there are very cocky. Mm. Uh, they have to wear extra large pants usually oh gosh goodness I mean I can understand that but I I thought Poe had that disgruntled factor you know and and to me they were making fun of that um, as as part of their commentary on toxic masculinity as it were Um, well anything else about the tech or sets or costumes you guys wanted to mention Uh, vegan anything specifically about that I really did like the uh, Zori Bliss um, outfit um, costume, I should say. Um, I really, I really like the colors that, you know, the, the gold and it was a kind of like purplish kind of a costume. I really liked that. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting character. Uh, kind of like Teeb says, I, I, I would, I would love if they developed that character a little bit more. And I actually thought that they would, um, show some more, uh, different aliens in, in the film. I mean, they showed a lot. Uh, you know the the planet that they have all those uh, colorful weirdo ladies chanting and dancing and stuff like that. The Aki Aki Pasana, the festival. Oh, this is something I wanted to mention: the festival of the ancestors, right? Um, because you may not be aware of this. C three PO mentions before uh, they go down to the festival that it's only every forty two years. Yes, I did. That was the forty two. 
because for two reasons, actually, uh, 42 years in between the release of A New Hope and Rise of Skywalker, oddly enough, mm-hmm. but also a little bit of an allusion to The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the number 42 being the meaning of life, the universe, and everything, um, which I, I thought that was a little Easter egg for fans. Um, but there weren't actually that many little Easter eggs. I mean, we had a few aliens here and there, a few little critters, a few new speeders and stuff. But the, the movie was so dense, I really felt like we stayed with the humans for most of this movie. It had a, a very human heart. It wasn't as weird as, as some of the other Star Wars movies in terms of creature effects and all that kind of thing. There, there were a few moments, but... Can we talk about, uh, and they fly now? Sure. <laughs> they fly now? <laughs> sure. I mean, we're kind of, we didn't talk about that at all. What, what are your thoughts about that, uh, Duper? You know, you know, uh, as, as a... As a stormtrooper yourself, what what are your what are your thoughts on uh, flying uh, stormtroopers? Flying stormtroopers with jetpacks. I mean, we know. I guess in terms of consistency with canon, I was okay with it. I I was actually surprised that they didn't bring jetpack stormtroopers into the uh, previous movies because I thought they would. Given like Boba Fett sort of sets that up a little bit. Jango Fett had a jetpack, um, so I was okay with that part of it. I think just the way they used it, it's like. You're on this planet. I mean, clearly they didn't have a lot of first order troops down there to be able to attack. So I guess it makes sense that they had this this small strike team of these guys. Um, But yeah, I thought it was cool. I mean, it definitely made for a nice scene in terms of like it embodying that Indian Indian festival of like Diwali, you know, where they throw all the colored powder uh, and stuff up. So I think this is kind of basically J.J. Abrams attempt to get into the Indian cinema market with that. So. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I, you know, I didn't love it. I didn't love it, uh, but it was humorous. You, and- how'd you feel when they uh, when they crash landed? That little scream that they that they did the sound effects. I don't know if it was a sound effects or if it was a scream. It's like a bottle rocket, sort of like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that to me was the most prequel-ish sort of part of the movie. Um, I mean, if it was a part of the movie that was like the prequels, it would have definitely been those, those uh, what do you call them, rocket troopers or jetpack troopers. So, right. yeah, I could have done without it, but it didn't ruin, it didn't take me out of the movie either. So, you know, this movie, you guys know that it did have a lot of cameos, as we've already mentioned, that J.J. Abrams voices Dio. Um, Also, Kevin Smith was somewhere in the background in Kijimi. Uh, I don't know where, but I did hear he was in there. And then another one that Teeb actually alerted me to, um, the guy who's the bartender on Kijimi in that sort of opium den is none other than John Williams. Yes, John Williams. And it's funny because when I saw him... We had we have just watched the holiday special, and there's a scene with Harvey Corman's character when he's seducing Maud, I don't know, uh, from Golden Girls, and uh, he pours the drink into his head. Right? Have <laughs> you seen the holiday special? He, he pours the drink into his head, and when I saw the John Williams scene, I turned to my wife. And I said, if he pours that drink in his head, I'm going to lose my shit right now. <laughs> like, if all of a sudden he just starts pouring it yeah. into his head like a container, oh, man, that would have been like, like, that would have been a moment that I don't think I could have handled. It would have been <laughs> so amazing, right? Yeah. But, yeah. That was that was something that I actually missed. I, I you know, I noticed that they, they – 
they specifically lingered on that character for a little bit longer. Yeah. And then they moved to the next scene so quickly that I was like, who is that? I, I didn't quite get it right away. Um, well, they did but have now that, that we're talking that, about it. I'm like, oh, okay. I now I remember. Though they did have that giant monocle on him, you know, to kind of hide part of it, occlude a part of his face, as it were. Um, I found out later uh, that his that character's uh, name is actually Oma Trace which uh, is an anagram of maestro, which is, of course, a name uh. given to symphonic conductors and composers. So kind of a nice little uh, thing. JJ's already always been very cool about honoring the people who have been part of the Star Wars tradition. You know, a lot of the Ralph McQuarrie art like came into this movie as the mm-hmm. design for Sheev Palpatine's uh, um, time capsule throne 2.0, you know, his, uh, his uh, porcelain throne there that he's been using <laughs> for 30 years. <laughs> She poops. She yes. poops. That's right. So, but that's cool. Um, what about that scene that uh, actually was for me one that I really broke down on when the news hit that uh, you know that Chewbacca found out that Leia had had passed away. Uh, for me, that was the, the most emotional scene for me was watching Chewbacca react to that because there was a lot of people that were complaining in the Force Awakens when he didn't go and immediately get a hug to uh, Leia after Han died. It was Ray that gave her a hug or whatever, and people were all bent out of shape about that. So uh, we just watched the end of Empire Strikes Back right before the podcast here, and uh, right before Han goes under the carbonite, he says, you have to take care of the princess. And now I'm thinking, man, it's like that's kind of the, the charge that Han has given to Chewie, and now she's gone and it's almost Mm. like and remember he has that life debt to han and now he had kind of that that duty to keep her safe but he couldn't he couldn't keep her safe from the pain at least she didn't die because she lost the will to live she actually used her force energy and made it mean meaningful and everything like that but i don't know if chewbacca understands that because he's just a dumb wookie right i think that she just died because the the force and pain of having such a dysfunctional family caught up to her and she just had an aneurysm (laughs) i mean yeah okay we can go with that too <laughs> Whatever works. I mean, at least it makes more sense than Padme, right? That's all I'm saying. How about you, uh, vegan? Yeah, I think that was the one of the three moments in the film that I I had to fight back tears really bad, man. Uh, I, in all seriousness, that was one of the 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 times in the film that I was just heartbroken um, because. Mm. You know, if any of it, if any of it, uh, if any of us have lost somebody close to us, uh, you know, just feeling that empathy for for them is just man, I felt really. I wasn't aware the huts had tear ducts. Actually, um, I guess it did kind of put you back in 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 that frame of mind when Salacious Crumb uh, was was killed in in Return of the Jedi. I guess. Right. Well, the tears come out of a different place, but um, you know, we usually just put a a pad there or <laughs> or uh, a dripping pan right it's this one giant tear duct so yeah never upset a hut you know never break a hut's heart <laughs> that's why hut's relationships are not so common because like when they do fall in love like it's so intense everyone knows that if either of them start crying like entire communities are going to get drowned uh in the, out. in the tears so 
Yeah. Well, that's why you rented out the entire theater too. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Right. A... <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. Yeah. Good. There were a lot of heart heartwarming scenes here, and I, I appreciate that. I mean, I feel like for myself at least, there's been a little bit of positivity injected back into Star Wars, and I have a little more confidence now. My neck beard is a little bit more uh, resilient to the sort of um, effects of the you know negative, toxic uh, claims of fans on the internet who want to rob me of all my joy uh, at this point you know i'm th i'm thinking of starting my own change.org petition uh to get people to to not only not remake the last jedi but make it again shot for shot and this time charge people twice the price because it's just you know if that's what happens when this movie comes out is that then we get episode nine the rise of skywalker which made me so happy like I think they're doing something right. So I think that we should have Kathleen Kennedy, you know, maybe that medallion shouldn't have gone to Chewbacca, but we should be putting it right on Kathleen Kennedy's neck for giving us this gift of this film. Let's ensconce her in, in liquid gold. Let's gild her and put her on top of uh, the the, the uh, Lucasfilm Towers there in, uh, in San Francisco uh, for all to see and hail as our new leader, um, and, uh, you know, kind of like Ray is now the new leader of the Jedi. Kathleen Kennedy has proven her worth uh, with this movie and made many, many long years come to her leading Lucasfilm. You think Ray is going to train any new Jedi? What a question. Well, that leads us to the next thing. You know, uh, you know, what, where do you think we go from here with this with this film? Um, I don't know if she is. I think she's going to stay on Tatooine and play it cool. Uh, maybe she'll fall in love with, with Finn and they'll they'll have some kids. Maybe with Finn, you think, huh? Yeah, Finn will come around. He's kind of like the he's the Lando, you know. It's like Han died, Hando's, Han, you know, mm -hmm. you know. Then Lando's like, make sure to give her my love. Works every time. And Finn is gonna be like, hey, Ray, I know you had some stuff to work through. Your your grandfather is a is a Holocaust maniac. He's ruined the entire galaxy. <laughs> uh, your boyfriend was uh, an emo psych psychotic uh, teen. But baby, I got it for you, you know, and I, th I think she'll she'll be uh, acquiescent to his. Uh, I think she'll be acquiescent to, to his uh, love interest. I. What about Janna? Hmm. Maybe she'll get her own miniseries with Lando, and they'll go around the galaxy trying to find out which baby mama she comes from of Lando's. <laughs> I'd watch it. See, Ray is his is his main chick, and Janna is the side chick. Right, right. Uh, okay. That's how that works. Yeah, oh, by the way, Vegan is also a millennial. Uh, we, we should have put that disclaimer before the entire episode. <laughs> He's going to bring out some terms I don't understand. I am not aware of what a side chick is. Is that some kind of a bird? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, side chick um, is, you know, the, uh, the chick that you keep on the side, you know? Um, <clears throat> my great-grandfather... Uh, Jabba um, had his side chick, Leia. You know, that was his uh, little <laughs> oh, side thanks. chick there. Um, <laughs> that and, makes a lot uh, more sense. <laughs> You know, we just lost 400 listeners. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. Great. Well, yes. uh, what do you think, Teeb? Are you, which which film? Okay, take one of the minor characters from this movie, Rise of Skywalker. Which one would you be most happy to see in their own series or or short film or you know whatever? Claude, 100. percent I want to know everything about Claude. I want to know. I want Claude and Zori Bliss to travel around the galaxy and and wipe out any remnants of the first order mm. 
I think the next thing that they should do is uh, take uh, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, character and develop that um, into a musical that they can make for some more money off of. Now, who is Wait, his he was character? I heard he was in it, but I didn't know who he was. He was an uncredited soldier. Aha. Nobody. <laughs> was he a rebel soldier or a First Order soldier? Probably he'd be yes. a rebel. Yes. yes, you're like yes. He was both right, <laughs> just <right>. soldier. <laughs> like, what's the difference? Uh, all soldiers are scum, right? <laughs> Maybe nice. Lin Manuel Miranda can write the next episode. Um, you know, and instead of calling it Hamilton, they can just call it Palpatine, and it can be like a rehash of his rise to power. Uh, and it can become a, one of the best-selling musicals on Broadway. Oh, oh man, I'd watch the hell out of that. As long as he wrote the music for it, I'd watch it. He's sure. a great writer, composer. Whatever. I, I am not there with you. I mean, yeah, I, I would agree that, uh, you know, Moana was good. Um, there's some other things that I, I like of his, but overall, I am not drinking the Lynn Manuel Miranda juice there. Uh, I think he's a little bit <laughs> You're overrated not there. The Manuel Puerto Rican rum. <laughs> the horchata. He's like, yeah, he horchata. Christmas horchata, right? With uh, the Lynn Manuel Miranda juice that is milked from his teat by Luke on oh, uh, Octo. Exactly. Wow. Well, we're going to finish up here, gentlemen, but I just want to give you each a chance to. To sort of um, uh, give us your 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 favorite and least favorite uh, scenes, and, and in order to end on a positive note, let's start with our least favorite parts of the rise of Skywalker. Um, I'll start, uh, and I haven't. I have to be honest. I haven't really thought about this very well. I tried to hate this movie so badly. Like I went in, and I'm like, I am going to hate the crap out of this movie. If I don't, I won't feel like I belong to a group of people. I won't feel like I have any friends. If I actually like it, like I'll just feel completely like I've ostracized myself socially. So. The thing about this movie that I don't like the most is that there's nothing I don't like about it. There, there really isn't. There's no scene that sticks out of my head as something that I can hate on on Twitter and just grind, 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 grind. Um, everything felt really well structured. So in that way, um, that's the thing I don't like about it. I know it sounds strange. I'm usually the cynical one who hates on everything, but... The, the only thing I can come up with, if I really gave us some thought, was that very final shot of Ray uh, talking to that geriatric camel rider lady um, with the yellow lightsaber. It, it was a bit abrupt, and it did obviously feel like fan service, of course, um, and I would have just liked to have seen a little bit more out of her lightsaber how did she make it because we don't know how much time has passed so cinematically i felt like it put the audience in a position where he had to accept a lot from the movie and at that point after having gone through all the emotions that we've gone through i felt like i needed just a little bit more from the story to tell me hey yeah here's that final little screw here's my swiss army knife i'm finishing it up you know and then there it is um and since we didn't have that you know for me i wasn't like Super, super happy with that. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, thinking about about how that developed at the end, um, I did actually read a tweet uh, about that scene that I want to mention later. So we'll hold on to that for just a second. Um, but, yeah, so I would say really the last shot of the movie was was the thing I didn't like because I thought it could have been improved uh, with just, just a little bit more effort. How about you, Vegan? What was your least favorite part of this film? Uh, I think uh, when uh, Kylo and Ray kissed, I, I'm i not there with Teeb on that. I think he said that earlier that he liked that. 
I didn't, I didn't like it. Hmm. Um, it was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I, I saw in the previous movies that there was some kind of maybe romantic tension there. I, I kind of got that from, from the characters, but I didn't feel like they were ready for a kiss, um, you know, so soon after, after uh, discovering one another again and, you know, discovering that they're both on the same side. I, I didn't really love that part. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think, yeah, at the end, I, I didn't really like, uh, I didn't really like the whole uh, Ray Skywalker thing. I, I don't know. It just did. I, I, I get it, I guess, but uh, it didn't really feel like, okay, okay, this is the, this is the end of, of everything. Mm-hmm. And this is where we end. It didn't feel like, okay, I feel good about this being the last thing we know about. And then I guess the, the very last thing is the extra scene credits or the scene after the credits, you know, where they show the, uh, the movie, uh, the, uh, the movie production company, you know, Lucasfilm sort of thing. I didn't like that. I th- I think uh, you know, sh- showing the Lucasfilm thing is kind of, you know, they're they're trying to hide Kathleen Kennedy behind that, and I didn't really like that. In terms of not calling it Disney or just like, uh, no, I was being sarcastic. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't actually happen. <laughs> anyway, you watched it five times. I thought you knew that. No, I don't. <laughs> No, for me though, the whole like when when she says I was in love with you, but I was in love with Ben, mm. not Kylo. That that's why. And and to so be you honest, like that? well, no, I was gonna say to the vegan's point that they they kind of had to put something with Raylo in there, or the fans would have lost their freaking minds because they've been building up to this for a while. There had to be some kind of conclusion with these two characters. And uh, it was pretty obvious that they were there was tension there, so they had to resolve that. I was I I, I didn't want to see them kiss or anything like that. I didn't care about that. But what I'm, I was happy about is the fact that he died instantly after that. That's what I was trying to say. That that was he didn't get a real redemption like all the fangirls wanted. They wanted them to like go and live and be in harmony or something on you know, uh, Coruscant. I don't know. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen in this story. If that happened, I would have been disgusted because it wouldn't have been realistic to let somebody like Ben Solo go off scot-free for all of his crimes. It's like Loki, right? In the Avengers, it's like, well, he murdered millions of people. Well, he's adopted. You know, it's like it's like that's the way they throw that line away. Like, yeah, yeah, I know he, Loki's like a bad guy, but he's not a total horrible bad guy. Yeah, but he did kill a lot of people. Well, yeah, that's true. It's kind of I mean, like I mean, when he shows up on Exegol Testicle uh, time time capsule planet, and he's like he hasn't done anything since he's had his turn. And like the first thing he does, like he shows he sits down a ray, he holds her, and, like he instantly goes into like this very demure, like holy, like you know, pose where he's trying to put the force in her. I kind of got the feeling of like a little like ten year old boy who's just been scolded and told he doesn't get any Christmas presents, and now he's like trying to act really sweet around mommy and like wash the dishes and like do everything just perfectly and and it has that effect on me a little bit to see him like because he is still a bit of a child right yeah for me i've always said he look he reminds me of master blaster if you've ever watched thunderdome when you finally see them take the 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 mask off of master blaster and he's got like this kind of slow developmental face (laughs) where he looks like a child in a in this huge body that's the way i've always thought of kylo ren like when he first takes the helmet off i was like oh god he's like master blaster right because i 
had never seen i didn't watch girls or whatever the hell it is so i didn't know who this actor was the first time i got exposed to this actor was as kylo ren so when he takes that helmet off he is very childlike i don't i don't i don't know if they did that on purpose or if it's just a coincidence or whatever but yeah so that i felt that as well like oh i'm going to try and look like i'm a good person here in front of exactly like you said in front of mommy I mean, there is almost that kind of relationship if you think about it, because he didn't really have a mom. All right, well, you go, Teeb. How about you? What was your least favorite part of the movie? I already told you my least favorite. So the whole thing with Leia, the influence with Leia not being able right. to really show us what the hell she was doing while she was under the cover. I don't. I I didn't understand any of that under the cover stuff because it's like she was dead, but she wasn't really dead, and then she doesn't become one with the Force until she joins with. Ben or what I don't know. It was just kind of weird to me. Yeah. So I I liked what they wanted to do there. I just think they could have executed it a little bit better. And I know that Carrie Fisher is obviously not with us, so that sucks. But I felt they could have done something that was a little more obvious. But I get it. I mean, think of the possibilities. Like, what is she going to be doing? Like underneath the covers, like flailing around or something and like Maz Kanata is gonna like no. come up but she's gonna like you know give us the exposition like Leia is talking to her son through the force right now underneath this cover like I mean that would have been infinitely worse don't you think no I think they should have shown her with the cover off like she was just meditating right like just show her meditating or something kind of like Luke Right where Luke was meditating on that rock, we saw that when he force projected himself, there was a projection of Luke. There was something they could have done, even with the limitations of not having Carrie Fisher. They showed Carrie Fisher at other stages, so I mean, we'll talk about that in a second. But they could have done more with that. That's all I'm saying because it was handled very. They did. They didn't do that justice to me because that's the mom and the son, and that's that bond, and they 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 alluded to it, but they didn't really capture it. Well, does that lead us to your favorite point in the movie? Are you referring to yeah. the part yeah, when Luke and Leia are fighting in the forest? Yeah, that's my favorite part. My favorite part is when you actually see them training together as brother and sister, and that's kind of like the closest we're going to get to the new Jedi Order, right? So it's like almost, again, like a little checkbox. Like, this is for the new Jedi Order people that always wanted to see brother and sister training as Jedi together, and we get it. And she's they look a little cartoonish because, you know, that's the reality is that they didn't shoot those when they were when in 1983 they didn't like shoot these scenes right which they should have done if you think about it if they knew they were going to do this 30 years later but mm -hmm. i digress but yeah that was my my favorite scene is one because that was when i got the chill up my spine i felt like a kid again for just a second just a split second i felt like a kid again when we found out that leia was his sister and the force is strong in my family you know that that whole moment that was a yeah. big reveal to me as a kid and to see them validate that where they're actually training together, that gave me a warm fuzzy. How about you, Vegan? I know you didn't love, love, love this movie, but surely there was a, a moment that you'll take to heart. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite scenes was uh, when uh, Ben is talking to his father. Um, that scene really was powerful to me, and I really liked uh, the line that they used there, um, where he, when uh, Kylo says, "Dad," and and Han Solo says, "I know," and you know, to me, what I, my brain filled in was, "Dad, I love you." Right. I know, 
and it could have been um, interpreted a different way. It could have been, Dad, I'm sorry, Dad, you know, what, you know, fill in the blank. But for me, I, I it filled in the blank of I love you, and uh, I thought that was a good response. You know, it's Han Solo him saying I know <laughs> to a even to his son. I thought that was pretty good, and it really choked me up. It reminded me of the time when um, when I lost my dad when I ate him, um, you know. And then <laughs> a couple years later, um, I excreted him out, um, saw him again, and it was just it choked me up. You know, the stench was unbearable. It choked me up then. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> it, uh, this uh, that scene really choked me up. Uh, same way, I mean, especially same being way. vegan. You know, your your uh, your enzymes and and hormones are all out of whack when you're eating meat. So I can imagine what that did to you uh, digestively. I mean, well, no, uh, you know, our our family for the last couple generations has been vegan, and if you eat a vegan, it's it's still <laughs> vegan. Okay, okay. Well, that makes sense. Good, good, great. Uh, I also agree. I think that moment was was one of my favorites. Um, and if you hadn't said it, I would have. Uh, interestingly, I mean, not knowing the spoilers uh, at all, I had sort of skimmed a little bit of the stuff you see on like that Mike Zero YouTube garbage, and I I saw something about Harrison Ford. But like, if you if you look at those, it doesn't matter because he has like everything. He's like Anakin Skywalker is going to be in it, Mace Windu is going to be in it, like um, uh, John Lennon's going to be in it, like everything. So it's not really a spoiler when you have this shotgun approach to like everyone. Um, so it wasn't even on my radar. Uh, and then actually, when you hear him say, "Hey, kid." I actually hmm. couldn't distinguish that as being his voice or Luke's voice until we saw him. Like, I thought it was Han, but I thought for a second that we were going to get the uh, the apparition then of Luke for the first time. I thought I thought so, too. I thought when – because in the last film, it says, you know, at the end, see you around, kid. Right. You know, yeah. and the fact that he called him kid like that, I really thought it was Luke. And I was like, oh, okay, there's going to be something there, but uh, no. I think that was a deliberate thing. I mean, uh, Mark Hamill does a really good Harrison Ford impression anyway. And so yes. this is sort of like maybe a nod to Harrison Ford trying to do a Mark <laughs> Hamill impression <laughs> to fool us, to fake us out just enough so that when we saw him, it was like, oh, my gosh, wow, how did they do that? So, you know, fair play to J.J. Abrams and Disney for sneaking that beautiful cameo in. Uncredited, by the way, which means that I think he didn't even get paid for it. Do you know anything about that, Teeb? Your, your hands are a little bit more into Hollywood rules in production than than some of us well i believe they actually gave him a a, a plane they gave him a new plane because he doesn't have enough planes and right. uh you know he doesn't crash planes enough so they wanted to give him that was the condition of his employment is that he wasn't allowed to tell anybody that he was on the film obviously and that he needed to be compensated because that's the sag that's the the screen actors guild rules is that if you have somebody in a sag production they have to be paid right so that's right. You know, it's all lawyerese and everything like that. So they said, "Well, well, we can't compensate you with money, but we can give you a plane." So they gave him a a plane. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, that was a, that was a great moment. And so I guess that you know gets down to me, and I, I have to say, um, for me, probably uh, my favorite scene, honestly, was when Anthony Daniels turned to the camera 
and and just basically said this has been all for nothing like this is completely useless unless i bite the bullet and give up my memories here uh and i i just there was so much going on in that scene in terms of commentary meta meta interpretations about fans like saying hey you know if you guys aren't willing to like be a little bit flexible about how you view and embrace these movies you're never gonna like them again right um and if you're not willing to be you know to 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 have the the sense of of what these movies really are which is just a lot of fun and and let's let's just take one for the team like there's going to be some things in here that you're going to hate some bad things are going to happen but i mean if you don't do that then it was all for nothing like what's the point in even liking star wars and talking about it at all if you're not going to love it um and so i just thought that was a little bit of a cool moment there and plus i just love babu freak he's a great addition and i would i i think in in the battle between baby yoda and babu freak you know i have babu freak up on a pedestal right now because he can talk uh hey <laughs> babu freak you know so uh, he is cute with he can talk i agree but uh, Baby Yoda is still the cutest creature to ever exist. I mean, people, people are putting him in their nativity sets right now. That is, you know, come on. <laughs> Nobody's putting Babu Freak in their freaking nativity set, okay? Uh, let's take the incarnate lord out of our nativity set and put in this plastic Disney doll. <laughs> it's happening. I'm not... That, 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 it's happening. <laughs> people are doing that right now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You've tried the rest, now try the best. Ray Skywalker's Denouement Moisture Quarter Portions. Ray's Denouement Moisture Quarter Portions are made from an old Skywalker recipe, lost to time on the sands of Tatooine. They're so obscure, they might make you feel like you don't even have any place in this story. They're also certified organic, free trade, and gluten-free. Thankfully, through the mastery of the Force and retconned plot convenience, Rey Skywalker ends up where this story all began, unearthing this recipe from the sands at her former master's abandoned hovel, and has since used her Jedi retirement to bring them back to you. Enjoy pure, unadulterated Tatooine moisture like never before, ionized for centuries in dual sun radiation, just like Mom used to make. Or didn't. If you were a scavenger whose secret Sith grandfather killed your mom brutally and unexpectedly. Just like happens in every kid's movie. Ray's moisture portions will bring you to tears, much like her Disneyfied character arc in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Available now at every local 7-Eleven. It's been so enjoyable having both of you guys here to tear this movie apart limb from limb, much like a Wookiee. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that in the coming months we'll have more uh, to say about uh, Rise of Skywalker as fans decide what they are allowed to say safely without risk of total social ostracism. Um, but uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, tell the listeners where they can find us, Teeb. Well, you can follow Faking Star Wars on Twitter and Instagram at at Faking Star Wars and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Real Faking Star Wars. You can follow me at Storm Duper on Twitter or Willie Bobo at Faking Star Wars. How about you, Vegan? Where can our fans get at you? You can find me on Twitter at the uh, Vegan the Hut. Well, if you want to uh, submit a question for us on Twitter, we'd love to uh, answer your questions on the next episode. Use the hashtag FSWRadio. We may read it next week. 
And you can get some great holiday gifts uh, at fi- and Faking Star Wars t-shirts and other gear at bit.ly slash FSWmerch. That's bit.ly slash FSWmerch. Um, also, guys, I'd like to mention that our next episode has a great interview with none other than Mark Austin, who uh, he played Boba Fett in the special editions of the original Star Wars trilogy, which were released in, I believe, 1997. Um, and so we're actually going to do an episode all about these special editions, what they mean for fans, that process, and all that. So it's going to be a really interesting episode. Is he a Kiwi? Mark Austin is British, I believe. British. Does he do an Australian accent or a New Zealand accent? He doesn't talk in the special editions, so no. Plays Boba Fett. Yeah, Boba so Fett doesn't say anything. Right, not in A New Hope, not in the special edition of A New Hope. What are you, a noob? Yeah, man. <laughs> He's just standing in the background. Wait, a New Hope he was in? Yeah, so that He's scene where Boba Fett... I'm sorry? He wasn't in A New Hope. In in the special editions, Jabba the Hutt was in, inserted into uh, A New Hope, and along with that came Boba Fett in the background of that scene as well. They Uh-oh, had to get somebody that's... to wear the costume. Mark Austin is that guy, and he is on the celebrity circuit signing autographs all the time. He's also a visual effects artist. So. Oh, a visual effects artist. That sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Well, if you'd like, you can follow me because I'm awesome. I'm the glorious, gorgeous gift to the galaxy. And you can follow me on Twitter at tbrontor. That's T-E-E-B-R-O-N-T-R. And you can also follow Faking Star Wars Radio at FSW Radio on Twitter and Instagram. If you like what you hear and you want to support what we do, you can visit patreon.com slash faking star wars and sign up to become a patron you not only support us fakers financially to keep making the content that you love but you also get a reward join us for as little as one buck a month be like darth taxis and or keith Harmon, who joined us at the fake jedi knight tier or 97 bravo who is a fake jedi guardian yeah, he's our most recent Patreon supporter, so thank you very much, 97 Bravo. I hope he's uh, drinking up all those uh, Last Jedi-loving tears with his new mug that he got from us. Oh, that's right. He got the mug. <laughs> I forgot. Yes, yeah, he I think did. He's, he's very proud of that mug, and we're very happy that he was sharing it with people. Do you have a mug? Me? No, I have a bunch of t-shirts. I don't have a mug yet. Oh, really? I don't drink coffee. I, I drink, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I don't drink mm. coffee. So have you written us a review yet? If not please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. If you write us a funny review, we may actually read it on an upcoming episode. As always, please stay tuned to uh, fakingstarwars.net for daily quality Star Wars comedy, parody, and satire. Thanks to you and all of our followers for listening, and may the foe be with you. See you next time. <laughs>